Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everybody. Oh, my gosh. Before we get started with today's episode, we have some very exciting announcements. So please fasten your safety buckles. <laughs> and let me tell you some stuff. Holy shoot. We've got some. Holy shoot. Yeah, that's right. We've got some thrilling new merch. And I'll tell you about it right now. We've got an Awu baseball tee, our very first baseball tee. We've also got an Awu knit palm hat. Very exciting for the winter chill that in is nearly Sunnydale upon us. In Sunnydale colors. In Sunnydale Razorback colors. Winter is coming. Stock up now. Also, oh my gosh, we've got both Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy hoodies. Oh my God, for the first time ever. And also, we're restocked on the Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy t-shirts, including fitted shirts. A lot of you have been asking for them. Now we've got them. The world calls them women's shirts. But we call them fitted shirts for clarity. <laughs> We also have stickers, oft requested, finally realized. We are shipping a sticker with every package that we ship out. But if you want to order more than one sticker, you can do that as well. It's so, true. Wow. So just head over to BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com and click on shop and you will see our Cave of Wonders. It's very exciting. Very exciting indeed. Uh, also, I want to just let you all know, so many of you last week were like, where's the episode? Where's the episode? Where is the episode? Uh, and that is because I think you didn't know that we have added our calendar to the website. So if you go to that same website Jenny just said and you click on calendar, you will see that uh, we have most of our production schedule done through The Wish and then we'll keep building it out. And for the most part, we're doing three episodes on and then one off. We're going to follow that format roundabouts uh, through this season. And that will uh, give us some much needed breaks in between songwriting and podcasting and all those things to make sure that we're delivering you the very best content we can. Yes. Yes, indeed. Also, for those of you in the L.A. area... We will be performing live. We'll be doing a live taping on October 14th, which is a Saturday. And we are so excited to tell you officially who our guests will be on that very magical evening. They will be your friend and mine, Kate Leth, <laughs> uh, the incredible uh, creator of our buffering logo and many other great works of art, Christine Tuna. Yeah. Very excited. And also, the perfect Ira Madison III. Holy, I am Thrilled. So if you want to join us, and you should, grab a ticket before they sell out. You can find all the details on our website, BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. Just click on events. Yes, and we will be taping Revelations. Yeah, That is also a new announcement. And for those of you who are not in the Los Angeles area, we will be doing a Buffy watch with our patrons, all of our patrons, for Revelations, the day of the live taping yes, that afternoon. Yes, yes. Again, all on our events page. And the uh, the show is going to sell out. So if you want tickets, I suggest you grab, grab them now. One. Okay, before we get to the show, this is so many announcements, but there's a lot of really fun, exciting things and also very important things ahead. I want to let everyone know that Jenny and I, uh, last month in September, we started a new project where we do five lyric sheets every month and we are selling them for $100 a piece. We handwrite the lyric sheets and we send them to you. You 
pick the song. And the proceeds all go to a different organization. So September, we donated to uh, the Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund. And we just sent that donation in. We were so thrilled to do it. And we actually sold all five lyric sheets in about three days. So you all are incredible. And this month, we've decided to do two runs of lyric sheets. We're doing 10 total. And let me tell you why. So this episode, Beauty and the Beasts, Includes depictions of domestic violence. And so Jenny and I discussed this after watching the episode the first time that we were like, we're definitely going to give to an organization that helps survivors of domestic violence. And also, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So it was no question that we were going to do this. And so we are. So five of the 10 lyric sheets, those proceeds are going to the NW Network, which is a Seattle-based organization that specifically helps LGBTQ survivors of domestic violence. The other five lyric sheets we added because since taping this episode, Puerto Rico was hit by a devastating hurricane and is has been left in just an absolutely horrific situation and they need so, so much of our help and attention. So we are adding those five lyric sheets. The additional $500 of those proceeds will go to Hispanic Federation who are doing incredible work on the ground. So again, all of those 10 lyric sheets are up as of today. If you want one of those, it's a great way to give back and get something really special for yourself in return. Go to the website, click on shop, and they're all up there. You can let us know what song you'd like. And at the end of the month, we'll send those lyric sheets out as well as those proceeds to both of those organizations. We do want to mention, even though I just said it once, I just want to let you all know that if you're listening to the episode, there will be discussions of domestic violence in this episode. So if you don't want to partake in listening to discussions around domestic violence, you can skip this this episode and join us for homecoming where we'll talk about homecoming yes <laughs> and now that there's absolutely nothing left on planet earth to announce <laughs> onto the show Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And this week we're talking about season three, episode four, Beauty and the Beasts. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode that we're discussing. Beauty and the Beasts was written by Marty Noxon, directed by James Whitmore Jr., and it originally aired... On October 20th, 1998. This is the one where Oz becomes the prime suspect when a series of animal-like attacks occur in Sunnydale. No! Dun-dun-dun! It's also the one where Angel is back. And people know it. Somebody knows it. One person, one knows, person it. knows it. It's Buffy. <laughs> That's the episode, folks. <laughs> so this episode begins... Great. Great. This We haven't had a voiceover this good since Passion. <laughs> We've got Buffy reading an excerpt from Call of the Wild while we pan through the wilderness. Yeah, it's interesting because it starts with Buffy reading it and then it switches. We pan to from the jungle, the blurry, obviously running through the jungle right, shot right. Mm -hmm. to the library. The jungle of Southern the California. <laughs> the jungle of Sunnydale High School. Mm -hmm. The library. Uh, and I, it really is the jungle. I'm going to skip ahead to a note that I have far down the line here. Why in the hell aren't those bookcases bolted down at this point? Great question. The bookcases are always falling Fool on people. Fool me once. Right. Like Willow was legit in the hospital 
so, so hurt from the, and the, and in this episode, the same thing happens. They're like, I know what the good weapon is. I'll just knock this fucking bookcase over. So Even I- Ikea bookcases come with wall bolts. Right? It just seems like they're, okay, whatever. Anyhow, uh, we, we go to the library and Willow is then reading Call of the Wild. That's like how they actually anchor the text in right. the episode. Right. She's she- reading it to Oz while uh, uh, Werewolf... Oz paces around his uh, library cage. Yes. Which still, n- nothing to see here. Everyone else who works at the school, just a <laughs> werewolf in the library cage where all, also all the weapons are, just across from uh, shelves and shelves of books that are centered around the right, occult right. and the dark arts. All secured by two doors that flop back and forth with no locking mechanism whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to give Xander one compliment in this episode, and then I am going to rail on him for the Total duration of the oh. time, okay? Uh, but the one compliment I have for Xander is his outfit in this scene. We don't have Kate left in this episode, right. so I will take it upon What's myself. He wearing? He's wearing red pants and a green shirt, which you'd think you can't pull it off because it's Christmas colors, uh-huh. Freddy Krueger colors. Uh-huh. It's actually a lot of red and green because I shout yeah. out Willow's, later in the episode, Willow is wearing a Freddy sweater. That's the yes, same kind yes. of red and green. But I think Xander just looks really good. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people are going to be upset by this that I'm giving Xander. But a if compliment. anybody is still listening to our show that likes Xander, they'll be pleased. <laughs> right, right. But Xander, I don't know. I just think he's looking good. He's looking good. Good job with the look, Xander, and horrible job with the being a person. Mm. I'm sorry, but like first, Zan- okay. So this is like in the span of 30 seconds, right? Yeah. Xander walks in and is immediately no homo, right? Uh-huh. I can handle uh, Oz in the full Monty. I mean, not handle. I'm not gay, guys. I wouldn't be gay. Don't worry about me. Mm-hmm. Totally straight Xander mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. first we get no homo. Then we get Xander being jealous of the fact that Willow has seen half a Monty, as she puts it. Yeah, what even? Right? Which like, half? Also, like, which half? Which half do you, I mean, be reasonable. It would be weird if she had only seen. Of things in high school. <laughs> right? She's like, well, he hasn't taken off his shirt yet, but he but does I... walk around like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, of course. And the, then he goes right to fucking sleep. Right, and the biggest offense. He doesn't even try to stay up for like a minute. He's no. just like, I'm going to lay down on this table and like i'm i will say this like you know this isn't typical xander now you know xander has had plenty of moments where he does do the right thing and figure out the way to fight the thing or whatever i don't really understand why he's being so casual about this i mean maybe it's been enough full moons where like he's kind of let down his guard nothing has happened he thinks everything's easy and safe but it is pretty shitty yeah not great not great um, you know what is great? The new season three werewolf costume. Oh, well, it is better, but it's still, there's something <laughs> it's about. Something. There's it some, looks more like a gorilla suit with like a werewolf head mask face. sewn into the face hole. Yeah. And also the body movements are very gorilla-like. Like the way that the werewolf lumbers right, right, is right. like a very, it's not like a wolf. Well, and do I, you want to know why that is? It's because humans, which we assume is what's inside <laughs> of that suit, are constructed a lot more like gorillas right, than wolves. Right. Their legs Just are longer than of, their arms. Uh, joints and positionings and musculature and. Yeah. Center of gravity. So different, a different take on the werewolf in, right, right, right. here in Sunnydale. Um, but what I was going to say is great. 
is this next scene between yes. Faith and Buffy. This is definitely my favorite scene in the whole episode. Because, and I wrote another erotic novel. Um, <laughs> similarly to last week's All in Caps, I didn't mean to do it. I want everyone right. to know I wasn't like planning ahead like, oh, I should write another one. It just happened. Right, right, it did, right, you know, right. the you second installment you of can't battle with their creative accidental erotic novel. So my second erotic novel. All caps, five lines. Doing the ditty. Kicking the gear shift, good down low tickle, how low, you tell me. That <laughs> about sums up the first half of this scene. And um, um, good to see that nothing has changed um, since the last episode, is... Re-Faith's general vibe. Uh, yeah, nothing's changed in Faith's general vibe. But also, I am sorry, I do not accept anything from this exchange except for these are two adult people flirting heavily. Wow. I do not. I'm, I'm sorry. You will not find a person on this planet to convince me of anything else. I mean, how low? You tell me. Giggle, giggle. That's flirting, Jenny. I feel like. What okay. do you feel like? You go ahead. Try to convince me. It won't work. Okay. <laughs> uh, being objective. Trying to be sure. objective. Okay, fine. Right? Yeah, objective. I mm -hmm. think if anything is happening here, Faith is maybe flirting. Fine. Yeah, fine. Right. Yes. And Buffy is. Uh, either oblivious ah! or they're talking about boys. She's giggling. Okay. She's giggling, Jenny. She's giggling. I mean, I know. Fine. Faith is more on board for what the direct. What is a woman if not someone who giggles about boys? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the uh, as a queer woman, I know that the way to flirt with other women when you're not sure oh, right. about talk the about situation is boys to... and say pr things that are provocative. Yes, and over the line. in okay. the con, we use we use the boys as the shield. <clears throat> to listen, you safety I... shield. See, sure, we're just talking about... Wrote the book on practicing for boys. So you don't need to convince me. I just want to be respectful uh, of Faith and Buffy and their journey towards whatever. That's nice. So I wrote a book called This is a Book for Parents of Gay Kids. And Jenny wrote a book called This is a Book for Practicing for Boys. Yes! <laughs> That was my book. So anyhow, I'm sorry. I know we've had a couple of comments that, um, you know, we're going to have we're going to get really repetitive in our sexual tension awards this season. I'm just going to follow my my heart. And I don't you know, I mean, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is, guys. Um, okay, I'm, okay. I'm awarding it right now. Right now? Right now, doing the ditty. Just out of, the, fresh out of the gate? Yeah. All right. I don't need any more. Sure, fine. That she interrupts her with her disc man later. Sure, fine. Whatever. But like, I'm sorry. Uh -huh. This is where it's going. Do you have any other contenders for this episode for sexual tension? No. No, ma'am. I mean, I, the werewolf and Pete, there definitely, there's some heat there, I think. Sure. But it's nothing compared. I'm sorry. No, nothing compares to Faith and Buffy. Nothing compares to you. It, is that what are you in character right now? That's a song. You singing, don't know that no, song? No, I know that song, but I'm just like, are you singing it as? I'm singing it as Faith to Buffy. To Buffy. Okay, got yeah. it. Or Buffy to Faith, honestly. But Okay, so the back half of this scene, though. Just doing the ditty. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. But like, she has so many ways of saying having sex, you know? Yeah. Screwing, doing the ditty, kicking the gear. I'm going to use, I'm going to adopt kicking the gear shift. <laughs> I, I do like that. <laughs> so you two kicking the gear shift? Um, eh? Great. 
Okay. So the back half of this scene. Right. The back half of the scene is more serious. All men are beasts. Yes. They're all just in it for the chase. Mm -hmm. And this is like really, I mean, this episode's very complicated. Let's just get this out of the way. This episode is really, it really digs into themes around domestic violence. Uh, It really genders certain instincts that people have. It really genders violence. And, you know, there, we will talk about it a bit within this episode, but I do want to let everyone know uh, we have an interview, part of which will be featured in this episode directly and the full interview will be up on our SoundCloud page and up on our Patreon page if you want to listen to it I suggest that you do we interviewed Red McCormick who is somebody who is trained in working with victims of domestic violence mm-hmm. and also somebody who is a huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer it was a really great Venn diagram match Perfect to find for this um, so we'll as we progress through the episode we'll definitely touch on these themes we'll hear a bit from Red um, we're also going to offer uh, resources at the end of the episode for survivors of domestic violence, for people who know others who are in abusive relationships, and for those who are in abusive relationships right now. We'll have those resources. And I also want to just take a moment, and we'll say this again at the end of the episode, to let everybody know October is actually uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And that is very timely for when this episode landed. And you know that Jenny and I are picking a different organization to donate $500 a month to. We have up in our store lyric sheets for sale, five of them every month. So five are now up for October. We will handwrite the lyrics of your choice from any buffering song and send them to you. And 100% of that money will go to an organization. And so this month we've chosen the NW Network. It's a Seattle-based network uh, for bi, trans, lesbian, and gay survivors of abuse and they work to end violence and abuse by building loving and equitable relationships in our community and across the country. There are so many organizations doing incredible work. We picked NW because we really loved their focus on queer communities. Um, But again, there will be a list of more resources at the end of this episode and in the show notes. Okay, so then we go to the uh, balcony, the courtyard, walkway. Yes. What a so, lovely high school. So nice to go to school in California, is. you know? I was almost about to say, like, it's, it reminds me of 90210. It is literally it's the school. The exact same So school. that's why it reminds Great. me of 90210. But yeah, so we meet Pete and Debbie. We actually don't find out Pete's name, I don't think, in this scene. But we meet Debbie. There's an exchange about Platt, the guidance counselor, who mm-hmm. Buffy's going to go see, right? Uh, and then we go to the library. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Where Giles is panicking. Right. Uh, and as <laughs> Willow and Oz walk in, uh, he announces immediately. Uh, no need no need to panic. No need to panic as he flusters and blusters around the library. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in very Giles fashion. And of course, we learn that Jeff, a student at the school, has been killed in a way that suggests it could have been a werewolf. Mauled to death. Mauled to death. And Xander... Piss baby Xander at it once again, <laughs> sort of lets it lets it go that he, oh, he was here when I, and Giles. Woke up. Right. Giles is a great, woke up. He's so angry. And, so mad. And also, just, the window is open in the wolf cage. Can I just, I know we just got done saying, basically, without saying it, that this is a terrible place for a werewolf to yeah. while out. Uh, also, because, like, later Pete just rips the cage open. And, like, you have to believe that the werewolf and Pete are probably close to equally matched in strength. <laughs> like- I think this cage and a lot of other things in the show uh, sort of vary their their strengths. The strengths of certain structures just kind of mold themselves to whatever um, the are plot you talking, needs. Are you talking about metaphysics, Jenny? I am. Great. I'm talking about metaphysics. <laughs> Uh, so right so the window is left open Xander is a piss baby Giles is justifiably furious Oz is freaked 
out. Of course. This is ho- like this is horrible for Oz. I mean, you know, not know- not knowing what you did while you were a werewolf and then finding out that you may yeah. have killed somebody, anybody, you know, but a friend of yours. For somebody who's so self-righteous about uh, uh, condemning other people's behaviors that might endanger their friends. Right? Xander is a real shithead. There's a lot of hypocrisy in this episode, and we will get to more of mm. it. But yeah, you're right. Let's just, st- for there, we'll stop there. At Xander is a shithead in this episode. Cool, cool, cool. Then Buffy. Yes. Goes to my favorite gu- guidance counselor of yes, all time. Mr. Platt. Platt. He is a, he, he, he rules. I, really, I think he's great. I love him. Uh, I, I want to say here, though, because we have a lot of people watching the show who probably weren't alive in the 90s or who were not in high school in the 90s. Smoking in your office was not a common thing that happened in school. Right? No. I mean, like, you could smoke in, in place, more places like in outside. the 90s than you could in, you know, now, where you really can't smoke anywhere. But... This was like in the 70s that you would see a teacher smoking in a classroom. Yeah, that's some Mad Men shit. And there's like, you know, he he sort of like sprays his whatever to like get, you know, but it's just, I don't know. Maybe I th- we're just supposed to infer from this that Platt's a rule breaker. Yeah, yeah. He's Platt, not like other teachers. Total, totally. And that's why it's written like this. Also, I, you know, not to call people out, but I really notice when a person is or is not a smoker and it you know when an Uh. actor is or is not a smoker you can usually tell usually they do a bad job of inhaling platt does a good job of inhaling but he smokes right in the dead center of his mouth like that's where he puts the cigarette which if you're a smoker you know that's not really usually where the cigarette lands right so i'm gonna call call you out that you're not a smoker great for you that you are not a smoker very healthy choice um so right so platt and buffy have this conversation that's pretty great that's you know he he really challenges buffy to tell him more and she does yeah he gets her to open up a little bit yeah and so there's this narrative of like i loved him then he changed we kind of heard some of this with joyce in earlier episodes this is like how she explained it to joyce as well platt says he got mean and you didn't stop loving him uh, and then sort of ends this his theory by saying that like love if you if you keep walking down this path love will become your master and you just are its dog a lot of dog a lot of dog oh, yeah. things in this episode the call of the wild the werewolf right, 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 love right. is you're making you a dog mm-hmm. but it's a i think it's a decent conversation and it starts to touch on these themes and we i mean to be totally honest we could have already talked about the violence between Buffy and Angel and that it's kind of this gray area because she's the slayer and he's a vampire, but also they are in a relationship. Like we could have gone there already and we haven't. And this right. episode for sure uh, forces our hand in, ta- right, right, right. in looking at this and in talking about this. And I don't know. I mean, I have lots of things that will unpack as we go because I, you know, Marty Noxon wrote this episode and I put a lot of stock in Marty Noxon and like how we handle things. But I think there's a lot of complicated things that happen. We'll get there. Well, maybe they're intended to be complicated. Well, right. And you can't, I mean, you know, as you'll see in the little bit of the interview that we have here with Red and in the longer interview, like these kinds of things are great. Like there are gray areas. It's very hard to say this is that and this is the other thing. And Angel and Buffy really do that here for us in this episode. But we'll get there. Let's not get, let's not dig in there yet. First, let's get to Cordelia. Uh, please. They're just like any Cordelia moment like this makes me happy. They walk into the library and immediately Cordelia is just like, Oz ate someone. <laughs> <laughs> 
Love you, Cordy. Love your toss that tact out the window. Yes, absolutely. And then we get the second bit of this guy thing. I don't know, Jenny, if you if anything comes to your mind when when people say like it's a guy thing. Is there like anything some kind that... of structure that would be in place? Right, it's, that in, would sort it's of invisible. Like... A lot of times it's hard to see the structure, but you know if you really squint your eyes. And... Oh my god, wait! I have an idea. It might be the patriarchy. <laughs> Right? Yeah, it does. doesn't seem like maybe it, what's at work here. I think it is at, at work here. And I also think that if every time the patriarchy was at work, we got to hear that jingle, the structure would become a lot more visible. <laughs> so I'm just saying, people, the jingle is free. Go to our Patreon page, put it mm. on your phone, and use it like an air horn. You yes. Know? Oh, my just gosh. Just anytime you see the patriarchy, just boom, <laughs> the jingle plays. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay? Wow. Wow, wow. Also, uh, I bristle at the assertion that only guys need to walk away and like leave dramatically in the middle of a thing right and please you know we have a lot of love for oz in this podcast oz is certainly i think out of a lot of the male characters very aware and centered and focused on things that are positive for many genders of people not just this is the only time i think he's ever even uh said anything about being a dude. Right, right. At least this directly. I mean, it's just not like him, but he is going through something and the episode really needs us to follow this arc. Really, that's what's so troubling about this. There's a lot of things that are troubling about this episode. Right, but, but like the thing that's reinforced across a variety of experiences is like guys have a thing inside of them that they can't control. Yeah, and I don't know if that rings any bells with something we've heard from probably maybe the creator of the show recently. But it does. And like that's a tr- it's troubling when it happens in real life and it's troubling when it happens in shows. Yeah. Anything that draws a line that says like, you know, this is bad, but also men, they have this thing inside of them right. is really tricky. And it's it's not tricky to say like statistically speaking, when we're talking about relationships that have abuse or violence in them, statistically speaking, it is more often men than any other gender. But it's it's fucked up when we say like it's something inside of them because it tends to bring people in this argument where it's like well it's something inside of them and so sometimes they can't help it uh and that's troublesome and again we'll get more into this as we go through the episode Mm -hmm. but for here for for now oz walks away and this is an important moment because oz walks away and it's not like the most wonderful moment between oz and willow but it is calm and it's respectful and oz walks into the cage and locks himself into the cage and says, get away. And we'll see this dynamic, I think, between Pete and Oz a bunch where Pete, we see not walk, right, not taking any measure right. of control, not relying on his network of friends, not relying on anything and feeling like he's entitled to do whatever the hell he wants. Right. And then we see Oz, who's, who knows that, like, he has a Even weakness. though he's having feelings right now, he still has a responsibility to himself and to the people around him yes. to get in the cage. Yes, exactly. So he does this. He goes into the cage. Um, then we go into the woods and I really need to fucking know where did Angel get a pair of goddamn pants? Right? Where, where are the pants? pants? But no shirt. Oops. <laughs> what? <laughs> also, yeah. oops. He was like, mm, I could take the shirt too, but maybe not. Also, the only thing I retain from my hundreds of years of torture in the hell dimension is how to I, put on pants. Don't remember how to put on a shirt. That I must not wear a shirt. Right. right. Oh, right. That's right, the right, only right. semblance of self that he remembers. Also, hey, hello, alert, red alert. He has blood on his mouth. Maybe yes, he literal ate a red dude alert. and then stole the dude's pants. Right. 
Right? Or maybe he just had a snack of a dude. A, a snack of a dude? <laughs> maybe he didn't. I mean, we never really talk about like, well, how do people die so immediately from vampire bites? It's not like you could, how many liters? What do we have? Like eight liters of blood in us or something? Oh, are you doing some well, hell I'm just like, over there? I'm just asking some questions that would then allow me to do some hell math. Okay, yeah. So eight liters of blood or and you whatever. need to lose. <laughs> 47% of uh, those leaders. Is that real? No, I just oh, made it up. It's some good hell math. Yeah. Hell math. I guess there's really no reason for me to be giving Angel fresh from a hell dimension the benefit of the doubt, but I would like to believe that either that blood on his mouth is from like a rat. Yeah. Or I uh, what you're doing is why this episode is troublesome. <laughs> Sorry. You're giving Angel an out, and I don't know that Angel deserves an out, whatever. But first of all, I want to just get back to the hell math for a second because I'm certain that somebody listening to this podcast knows how many liters of blood you need to lose before you die. And also how many you had to begin with. Right. So can you Thus let us yielding a percentage? I would love to know. And once we get that information from whomever you are, or all of you, because maybe there's multiple people who know the <laughs> maybe answer, then we can report people. back and we can know how many liters of blood a vampire drinks. You know? Yes, please let us know at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. <laughs> or tweeted us at bufferingcast. Um, so, right. So Angel has pants. Angel has a bloody mouth. And we never learn what this is from. And Buffy sees Angel for the first time. This and is, is like, oh, what? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> For those of you who don't watch BoJack Horseman, that is a reference. We're rewatching it. We're rewatching it, and that is a reference from the first season of BoJack Horseman. Great. (laughs) Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. 
<laughs> okay, so Angel's back. Holy shit. We knew that from last week because we saw his naked wet body fall out of the sky. Then we go to the morgue. Oh my gosh. First, Xander can't handle it. To be honest, none of them can. Cordelia can't handle it. I'm Willow. Yeah. Gets done what needs to get done. Right, and I'm like bummed. I was, I just am a little bummed that she faints at the end because I really liked the dynamic that was set up right, where right. Xander and Cordelia couldn't handle it and Willow was just like grabbing some hair samples from the body and like totally chill. I don't think that, to me, to my mind, to my viewer's heart, uh, I feel like Willow doesn't lose any points for fainting at the end. She is steely. And gets it the hell done. <laughs> and, you know, maybe she faints not because of being in the morgue and the dead body, but because she's really overwhelmed with wondering if it is Oz or not. Totally. Right. She's got a lot more going on emotionally, right. I think, than the other two. Oh, Willow. Can I we play know. Willow's jingle? Yes. Great. Who knows the square root of 1,225? Willow, who's gentle of heart and nimble with a hard drive? Willow, Willow, Willow. Ah, Willow. And so Willow's jingle, a few of you have written to us and have been like, is Willow going to get different jingles? Like Willow grows so much as a character and they all do, but for I just feel like Willow's going to wind up with like at least three jingles is all I'm saying. Yeah, that's already that already that jingle feels a little bit dated to me. Yes, that was Willow 1.0. Right. And we're already moving into Willow 2.0 at this point. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Willow passes out, but before she does, we see Cordelia hold her nose, which is not sensical because we're in the morgue where it shouldn't smell in the morgue, right? I don't know. Don't bodies decay? Well, yeah, but they're in the morgue, so they're like cold. They're kept in little refrigerators. Yeah, but I feel like they're still decaying at some kind of rate because oh. they haven't been. <laughs> oh boy, they Here haven't yet gone to the to the funeral home where they'll be uh, embalmed. embalmed. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know. Maybe the same person who answered the last question about blood. Yeah, yeah. Can let while us you're know. at it, the bodies smell in the morgue. Uh, I think somebody has written to us who work who formerly worked at a morgue. Yeah. So if you're still listening, <laughs> if we haven't scared you away. <laughs> Uh, Xander has a great line. We're doing crime here. Don't sneak up during crime. Yeah. A, a, one more check in one the positive more. column for Xander. Yeah. And I need to note that Willow has brought her morgue inspection <laughs> supplies in a Scooby-Doo lunchbox. What? <laughs> it's so great. A little shout yeah. out for the Scoobies there. Yeah, it's great. Okay, so uh, then ben. back at Vamp Mansion, yes. Buffy's like, Wait, I gotta restrain this guy. Wait, before that happens, the scene opens with all of Drusilla's dolls. Right. She's like fucking digging around for restraints and she's like, well, get all get Miss Edith and all of her cronies <laughs> out of my way. Which like I'm looking for manacles. Which which of course you can find in the mansion. Of Probably course. many sets of manacles. Yeah, yeah. She just settled on this set, the first but one she found. Something we learn is that uh Spike didn't pack Drew's dolls when he took her away. Rude. Right? It I just wonder seems... how that's gonna play out. I don't think it's going to go well for them. If I was Drusilla, I would be like, no, 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 I mean, no, no, no. those dolls were really integral to Drusilla's existence. Yeah. So anyhow. Your little blindfolds. <laughs> the manacles, whatever. Like Buffy's uh, like, oh, look, a random metal sconce. Yeah, like there's so many. out of the wall. So many things he could have been chained to that weren't pull-offable. Pull-offable and also like prevent him from like laying down. Right. And uh, like also, how is he going to go to the bathroom? Does, Do vampire, vampires go to the we bathroom? We never figured that out, right? I feel 
like there must be I think people, a point at which we see a vampire peeing in an alley. Yes, and I think many of us know who that vampire is. <laughs> yes. But like also that vampire may just be peeing in an alley for character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like he may it's just like, like, they don't have to pee, but they can if they feel right, like it right. for effect. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> great. Uh, great. And also what happens next, Jenny? Wow, one other thing going on at Vamp Mansion. <laughs> What does this remind me? It's like a, it's like a wily coyote, yes, uh, dynamite mark. <laughs> There's just like an angel shape, but it is too small. It's not the right size. No, it's like in. Um, did you ever see Cloverfield? I didn't. Um, well, Cloverfield is a like movie. Yeah, about head of the Statue of Liberty flying the down head the street. Of the Statue of Liberty is way too small. Oh, is it? Unfortunately, way, way, way too small. You know, I've stood in the head of the Statue of Liberty. As have I. You know, it blows in the wind. You wouldn't be able to. F- That's horrifying. It blows in the wind. You wouldn't be able to fit inside of the head of the Statue of Liberty that they oh, show that they use in, in Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Offensive. Wow. I'm so mad. Okay. Wow. Still, I haven't let it go. I see. Fifteen years. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Angel's burned body mark is definitely right. the high comedy point of Hilarious. this episode. Uh, and then we go... Oh, but speaking oh, of high comedy... Yes. Here we have Faith dancing to some rock and roll in her disc man. You can't do that. Now, what a... Kristen... Kristen, tell me about why you can't do that. Because the disc will skip. Listen. Okay, but what about the skip-free technology am, that was developed? I know. That skip-free technology is bullshit, is what I say to skip free technology, I had a great disc man uh-huh. that I would take to the YMCA on 23rd Street in New York City. God, a disc man. A disc man at the gym. Fuck. And I would put my M&M and my pink misunderstood CDs in the disc man wow. to work out. Those were my workout CDs wow. in the early 2000s. So Things deal different with now. it. I would probably still get a good workout from both of those CDs. Mm. And if I didn't put the disc man into the elliptical machine right? Like sat it in the thing, right. then it would skip. If I wow. even picked it up one time, it would skip. So I do not believe that Faith is actually able to dance and listen to this music. Well, she is the Slayer though. It maybe. may be a question of metaphysics again. Right. And I mean, maybe Slayers move so quickly that right. the disc doesn't have, it's like popcorn on the, on the roller coaster, you know? <laughs> what? You know how the, on no. Mr. Wizard, when they took the Corn on the roller coaster, it no. didn't fall out because of because physics. Because of tropical force. Yeah, because, and so maybe the, maybe Faith is moving at a speed that is exactly the speed the disc man needs to not skip. Ah, uh, yes, I th- I think that's you know what's... you're a little too skeptical for my liking. I think I'm dropping some good science down here. No, I like it a lot. Great. So <laughs> Faith is dancing. Buffy taps her on the shoulder. She elbows Buffy in the face. It's great. Does she elbow her? I thought she. Flat out punched her in the face. Oh, did she punch her? I think she I punches she her. Backwards elbow. No, maybe she does. Well, anyway. <laughs> okay, so Faith leaves to not sleep, but to slay more vampires. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Faith doesn't sleep, I don't think. No. And Buffy stays in the library to, of course, re- do research. She gets the card catalog. This out. is, I think, the first time we've seen anybody use the card catalog, right? Yeah, I, th- uh, I think so. I mean, I'm sure that Willow has used it many times, but I don't know that we've seen her Perhaps use it. Perhaps off screen. <laughs> Love a card catalog. Ugh, Me too. How satisfying. I want one. Right? And so Buffy finds a book and falls asleep in the corner. And then dad. Oh, dad. This is such a dad scene. He like walks in with his coffee and he like opens the gate for Oz. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then he goes up and he sees that Buffy's asleep and he kind of peeks over to see what she fell asleep <laughs> reading. 
Giles, we love you. You're such a good dad. Yeah, great dad. And he sees, of course, that Buffy is reading a book on a Akathla. Mm-hmm. And Buffy immediately couches that, like, she immediately hides any factual stuff in a dream, which is pretty smart. That's pretty, like, quick thinking on her part. I mean, yes. not smart in the sense that she is hiding someone who could be da- very dangerous right. and who very possibly has killed a person already. Right. But smart just in the good good lie, Buffy. Buffy, we know, is not a great liar. She usually gets very flustered and she pulls it off in this scene and says, I had this dream. It was really vivid. What would, is there any possibility that Angel could come back? And if he did, what would that be like? And Giles, of course, is talking about like, well, you know, time moves very differently. He's probably been tortured for hundreds of years at this point. Right. And, you know, it would take someone of extraordinary will and character to come back to some semblance of self. Right. And this is where this complicated bit comes in where he's talking about monsters, that there's two kinds of monsters, the kind of monster who wants to be redeemed and the kind of monster that is void of humanity and that cannot respond to reason or love. And so this is like trying to set us up to be able to frame Angel in the good camp mm-hmm. and Pete we haven't even gotten the the storyline between Pete and Debbie does not happen until like halfway through the episode, right, right, right. which is also like tricky because you think you're watching one thing and then right. all of a sudden it becomes something else. But this is really complicated because it does draw a pretty hard line of what is acceptable and what is not and puts in the camp of acceptable just the desire for redemption, the desire to be better, not being better, mm. but just the desire. And I think that's very complicated and it gets more complicated because we have then this relationship between Pete and Debbie, which I think we're about to, uh, we're, we're close to seeing how that comes to fruition. But so, not before. Wait, wait, before we leave the library, I do want to point out that there's a poster hanging up behind Buffy that's two penguins with their beaks kissing. <laughs> and I love it. And it's very cute. And I feel like it's symbolic because penguins mate for life and they're talking about Angel and Buffy. Wow. And, right? I just feel like somebody wow. in the props department was like, hey guys. <laughs> Do you want to get that poster for our home? I would love to have that poster for our home. (laughs) That would be so nice. Oh, and then Willow comes in with the donuts. Is that where you were going or we were going to the No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Willow comes in with donuts and um, Buffy and Willow have this moment that I feel is important, you know, because it it makes uh, Giles one eyebrow raise (laughs) where, Mm -hmm. where Buffy is like, well, was it a vampire or was it a werewolf? And like totally totally disrespects the fact that Willow is struggling with yeah. did her boyfriend kill somebody and that Oz is right there and he's struggling with that like Buffy is immediately just like hey was it your boyfriend or mine because I would much rather it be yours like <laughs> the fuck Buffy well you know um, this is really this really ties into our uh, little bonus uh, additional interview with Jess Abbott last week yeah where we discussed Buffy's Capricornism and here she is being totally on mission and not really thinking about other people's feelings while she plows ahead just trying to get what she needs out of life. So looking at you, Buff, we're looking at you and we're really looking at you in the next scene. Because what you also need out of life apparently is an enormous plate of only (laughs) Jell-O and also the cafeteria is serving four varieties of Jell-O today. I find that believable. I do feel like a cafeteria does often have many form of Jell-O, but I don't know about, I mean, I guess high school, you eat weird things. I've already talked on the podcast about how I used to eat baby food. So, yeah, you know, she's but just... I feel like, I mean, in my high school, I don't know what your high school was like, but we had a very regimented, like you get this and this and this. And yeah. You get a certain amount. Of you wouldn't be thing. allowed to take four, four helpings Jell-O's. of Jello and nothing else. Right. <laughs> Come on now. 
But hey, sure. And also Jenny pointed out something in this scene that I found hilarious where you said, Debbie is such a Donna. She's a total Donna. Debbie is totally Donna from 90210. They're in the same high school even. Maybe they're Same sisters. building, same hair. Yeah, same general vibe. Like vibe. Right? Uh, and then Pete, I mean... <laughs> Pete's just an asshole, like obviously mm. for many reasons. But he, his first assholishness, uh, ass, his You're first, his first assholeish, no, assholeish. <laughs> <laughs> his first assholishness. Okay, comes out in this scene where he says, "Oh, you're really liking the manic depressive chick." So shout out to uh, Pete for being a dick. No good. Uh, right. Okay. It's time for Buffy to check in on Angel now this, that she's had a conversation with Giles. This scene annoys me. He, she goes to the mansion and she's like, Angel, do you understand me? And then gets no response and decides, I know what I should do. I should put my hand on his back because he's probably in the last six hours calmed down from hundreds of years of torture. <laughs> it just, I don't know. Like, right. I get it. I get why the scene is there. But it, I mean, he couldn't even get a good night's sleep. Because he was because chained he was in the crouch unable position. Unable to lay down. <laughs> How could he have gotten into a better mood or a better right. mental state? So, I don't know. Whatever. Right. This scene happens and then it leaves and I'm glad when it's over because I didn't like it. But I get its point. And then we go to the scene between Pete and Debbie. Yeah. They go to this, like, utility area where mm-hmm. Pete keeps his neon juice. Yeah. Just totally out in the open. Not not suspicious at all. Right, right, right. And, and Pete notices in very early in the scene that the neon juice is depleted and says, like, did you drink this, Debbie? Or, like, what is going on here? As we mentioned at the top of the episode, I was able to speak with Red McCormick, who is a friend of ours, a huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and is somebody who has had extensive training talking with survivors of domestic violence. And so you know what unfolds in this scene if you recently rewatched it, but you'll hear again from me on these points as we go into the interview. I think now would be a good time to unpack that. Red, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us and for taking the time out to talk to us about this episode. I am so excited to have you here. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. Thank you for both loving Buffy and also for having uh, knowledge that can help us unpack some of the stuff in this episode. I want to start with Pete and Debbie because they have a pattern of abuse that's shown, right, where we see Pete blaming Debbie for the anger that he has, then Pete hitting Debbie, and then apologizing to Debbie after he's hit Debbie. And then we see Debbie in response wanting to help this like suffering Pete who says that he can't control himself and also as a result of the pattern she thinks that the cycle is her fault and you know way more than me but this seems like a really common pattern in abusive relationships so I'm hoping that you can expand on this a bit and maybe let us know some tools to either break out of the pattern yourself or to help someone break out of the pattern. Yeah absolutely and I mean frequently in spaces like this we'll just call it the cycle of abuse ourselves it starts out with uh the honeymoon stage, which is what we call, you know, when everything's fine, because, you know, I mean, people think uh, with abusive relationships that you enter into it and then like the person just immediately starts hitting you and then you like you just stay for some unfathomable reason. But I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, generally the reason people get into and stay in relationships with people is because, quote, they seem fine, end quote. Mm -hmm. And then what ends up happening is that past the honeymoon stage, there's escalation and then there's the explosion and then it just loops right back to the honeymoon stage, which can get, you know, shorter and shorter over time or it can get longer. It's difficult to like predict when you're dealing with 
essentially a human volcano and you know you end up making yourself feel responsible for managing it especially when the other person uh, if will frequently blame you for their problems as pete does with debbie you know he put he puts all of his jealousy onto her and says you know you make me do this you drive me crazy and debbie buys into this lie that uh somehow the actions of her boyfriend or her responsibility. Survivors are frequently like put into this position where it's like, do you want him to hurt someone else? But it's not really the responsibility of survivors to like try and solve their abusive partner or to like stand in the middle of the bullet and take it for someone else. Yeah. And so you you brought up a couple of um, phrases that we actually hear in the episode. And, and I think even listening to you talk just for a short amount of time, it seems like it's really important for us to know as people how to help someone out of a situation like this, out of a relationship like this. And we see two people in the episode interact with Debbie in a way to quote unquote help, right? We see Oz uh, notice that Debbie has like a bruise on her eye and he thinks maybe something is up and he sort of asks if she's okay and then gently lets her know he's there if she needs someone to talk to. And that's sort of the whole arc there between them. Then we see Buffy and Buffy is really cornering Debbie and says things like, you know, well, the best thing to do is not get hit. Uh, she says, anyone who loves you couldn't do this to you. And she says, and you brought this up earlier, Red, people could die if, if you don't do this. You should be the one to prevent uh, this violence is kind of how her, her character is set up to act in this situation. And I'm wondering uh, some of the things that are wrong with what Buffy does and if there's anything right with what Oz does or what we can do if we know somebody who is in an abusive relationship like this one. Yeah, definitely. So I think uh, Buffy very much wants to put Debbie in the position of being responsible for Pete's crimes because, you know, she doesn't spend a lot of time ruminating on or talking about or even really much in conversation with Pete about, like, these kind of behaviors are toxic, you should, you know, stop being so controlling or whatever. Um, she instead focuses her entire sort of wrath on Debbie as if, Debbie is like some sort of extension of Pete rather than, um, or like the puppet behind the strings, um, mm. as opposed to like an individual being who's just caught up in the mess. And the show even seems to have a she got what she deserved sort of perspective, you know, when Buffy says, oh, I think she was broken long before this happened. And then Debbie ends up dying by the end of the episode. And so it's almost right. as if it's like, well, you know, this is what you get when you get abused and don't behave in exactly the way people tell you to, you'll get murdered, I guess. It's not really like a strong message. And I think that Oz does, you know, the right thing, which is just telling her like, hey, you know, like I'm available. I can talk to you about this. Uh, I can, I'm around to talk if there's something that you want to talk about. Whether or not you as a person are sure quote unquote, that something is going on with someone else, trying to force yourself into their life and tell them how it is to do things and how it is to work through this relationship is just you trying to move, is, is you trying to adopt a different control relationship with the survivor that they already have with their abusive partner, which is not how you help survivors get out of cycles, is just to keep passing them between people who take control of their lives and tell them that if they just do what other people say, then they'll be completely fine. And also, it's not just like saying that in person. I mean, even like 
posting like an article that you see online and saying, I'm available. I found that a lot of people have a lot easier time talking over Messenger than they ever would over the phone or in person or mm. on Skype because the internet allows like a little bit of anonymizing, a little bit of like distance between you and what it is you're really talking about. I mean, I think Oz is a good stand in for that in a way because he's like a very quiet character who makes a lot of space for other people. A lot of helping survivors is also just asking them what it is that they want because, you know, that's something that no one's really, they're not being asked questions, they're just being asked to serve often in an abusive relationship. Uh, we used to describe it as asking what questions instead of why questions, so asking like, what can I do to help you as opposed to why do you think he hit you? The why thing makes it sound like they should have some sort of answer for this person and their drives and their personality, but it's hard to know why it is people do things. I mean, you can point to any number of events in their past, but the fact is, is that they do it. What's more materially important is what that person needs to feel safe right now, even if it's just uh, crashing on someone's couch or if it's going out for like a cup of coffee or it's, you know, just being somewhere where they know their partner doesn't know that they are, um, mm -hmm. or just giving them some sort of outlet like uh, other community uh, domestic violence or sexual assault centers or 1-800-HOTLINE sort of numbers that give people the chance to picture interactions with others that don't involve them being manipulated. I think Oz sort of moves in the right direction by trying to give her some, some space and say like, you can decide when you like want to talk to me. I just want you to know that if you want to, I'm available. Thank you so much again to Red for talking with me and for being a part of this podcast. And just to remind you all on our Patreon page for everyone, you don't need to be a patron supporter. And on our SoundCloud channel, you can find the full uh, interview with Red, where we also talk about the complex triangle that's drawn here between Oz, Pete, and Angel. Mm. And we also talk a bit about queer relationships and abuse and how when we see things on television and in media that often set it up as the man is the one doing violence to the woman, it can really complicate when we have abuse happening in queer dynamics. Mm. So we talk a little bit about that as well. Um, and you can check that out. You should check that out. It is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. There is no time uh, better than right now to learn a bit more about how you can be of help to people who are in situations like this uh, and also how you can provide yourself with resources uh, if you find yourself in a relationship that has any of these qualities. Yes. Okay. So... Buffy goes to Platt's office and she's ready to spill her guts. Yeah, and like, Get what is she going to say? Off her yeah. shoulders. Was and she about like, to like tell a There's human? this guy who's a vampire, right? Who was reinsold, <laughs> but then we had sex and he lost his soul, and then and then I had to send him to a hell dimension. You know he what? was evil again. If there's anyone who was going to believe it, I think it might have been Platt. I think Buffy was was right on. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, Platt yeah. might have really listened. Unfortunately, as is indicated by his long-burning cigarette. Yeah, he had to be real still for that. Yeah. Real still. Platt is dead. Dead kind of still. Uh, Platt has been mauled. Um, and... I really... This killing is confusing to me. Like, Because how did he die? How did death, he die that? I scratch. <laughs> But also because it's like, uh, it's it's painted as like it happened so quick he couldn't even move his, like he didn't even drop his cigarette. But it doesn't look like it was quick. It yeah. looks like it was long and painful. So I don't really get that. Another thing that I don't get is what the fuck is up with Pete's nails? 
Because okay, so yeah, an important thing to note is that it doesn't seem like he's able to make a fist. Right. He just has these like SWV style. Wow. Na- I don't know if anyone gets that nails. reference, but yeah, SWV was a trio of singers in the 90s. And one of their trademarks was that they had their nails were so long that they curled. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a true fact. I remember it. I'll remember it forever. Pete's rocking those nails in uh, in his weird Jekyll Hyde form, which one's the bad one Jekyll or Hyde Hyde he's in his weird Hyde form um also you know plot points that are important is that they know that it's Pete because they've connected the dots so right right after Oz gives uh Debbie his notes Mm -hmm. and notices that she has a black eye and you know tells her that you know, if she needs to talk, he's there. He goes to the library where they're all talking about how Platt was killed during the day. Thus, uh, Willow is celebrating and then ashamed of <laughs> yeah, her celebrations. Yeah, 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 because it's it's definitely taking Oz out of the runnings as the killer. Yes. And then they put together, right, that Debbie was in jazz band with Jeff Walker. Yes. Where they would horse around. Right, which Faith assumes means they were fucking. Right. I'm sorry, I'm screwing. Great, 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 great. Or great, great, kicking great. the gear shift, if you right, will. Right, I will. <laughs> and then, of course, she was seeing Platt. Right, and right. she and, and at that conversation at lunch, she was like, "I guess he's not a bad, like as bad of a guy as I said he was," which set off Pete's, right. you know, alarm bells. And then, and then Pete saw Oz touch her shoulder in the courtyard. And he squinted menacingly. Yes, so we made the connection. We, me and the Scoobies, uh-huh. made the connection based on the other dudes, but no one yet knows that Oz is part of that pattern, part of right. that uh, list of men that must die. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so then we go to this scene in the bathroom with the girls where uh, Buffy is confronting Debbie. And we talked about this a little bit with Red. But, you know, what's really messed up here is the hypocrisy that we're seeing from Buffy. To I mean, there's a lot messed up. But one of the things that's messed up is the hypocrisy here. That Buffy is saying things to Debbie like, so while you two live out your grim fairy tale, two people are dead. And it's like, uh, maybe some other people should be looking in the mirror here. Because mm-hmm. if we're going to talk about grim fairy tales and people dying, those are facts that can also be applied to your relationship, Buffy Summers. Yeah, and even if they couldn't, maybe to just, like, lay off the victim blaming? Right, of course, of course. And, I mean, that that is incredibly troublesome and how, you know, she's not comforting. She's not making space for Debbie at all. She's right, right, right. really putting she's, all of the pressure on Debbie. Yeah, blaming stop. Debbie for Pete's bad behavior, both towards Debbie and also right. towards other people. Which is messed up. Right, like you said, it's messed up on plane one, but plane two, where we know she's also, you know, kicking the gear shift with a soulless vampire who has killed people, uh-huh. is more um, complicated. Complicated. Too. Also, um, sidebar: Angel was how old? Two hundred and forty-one. Yes. So now he's like four hundred and sixty-seven. Oh my god! Because he was in a so demon dimension. Just in case anybody's keeping oh, track. No. <laughs> The age gap widens. Maybe Buffy... I think once you get past 200 years, it's really all... How much of this do you think is Buffy sort of, like, talking to herself and projecting... Totally. ...her thing, you know, like, trying to pep talk herself... Absolutely. ...in terms of, like, what are you doing, And Buffy? I do... Right, and I do think that that is likely what is trying to be set up here, but I think what's complicated about it is that it's not set up in the clearest of manners, and I think it was likely very possible for people to watch this episode and think that the way that Buffy acted towards Debbie was totally fine, you right. know? Because you, you kind of need, like, a background of information in your brain when talking about, you know, domestic violence and abuse of any kind to really 
draw the dot, like draw the connections between these dots. And right. I think that if you're going to go into this, you know, in a media form and in any media form, you need to be a little bit more heavy handed so that you make sure that people understand that the way that Buffy is handling things with Debbie is not helpful right. at right. all. And it's really, I mean, you know, Buffy's like the hero of the show. So of course it's not set up. Like she's really messed up. I mean, right. You know, she's never, there's, there's no culpability at all. Like she's not, she's not made to feel bad for her actions, at least not in this episode. Right. Um, okay. So Pete finds Oz. There's this great like, mm, hey man, you're not going to understand what I'm about to tell you, but, and then Pete's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> It kind of reminds me of the Dark Age when Angel gets like possessed by the other demon. And oh yeah, yeah, Very similar thing. And so then Oz is like, "Oh shit! Yes, <laughs> I guess you <laughs> I will, will understand." Mm -hmm. And then there's this really cool. I mean, I I found this fun. This like showdown. Yes, because Oz is like such a pacifist, you know. And you see it in the moment that Pete like reaches into the cage and grabs him. Yeah, Oz like just goes limp. You know, he doesn't try to fight back at all. He's just like, "Whoa!" And then he knows that in a couple right. of minutes and luckily Pete doesn't move as fast as he moved with Platt yeah <laughs> supposedly <laughs> and Oz turns into our beloved gorilla werewolf yes and they start to fight it's wolf time wolf time in the Thunderdome Saturday in the steel cage two will enter one will leave um, Jack, Jekyll Hyde guy and werewolf fighting each other. We don't get too many monster fights, I feel like, in That's this show. True. Usually That's it's true. human v. monster. Right. Um, but this is some Godzilla meets Mothra shit right here. <laughs> uh, and I'm delighted to see two monsters fighting each other. Yeah, they're going at it. And then, of course, everyone hears what's happening at once. So it's like Faith and Giles and Buffy and Willow. Like, they all come from different angles yeah, yeah, of the yeah. school. They're all running to the double doors. Mm -hmm. They'll rush in. They grab the tranquilizer gun. But Debbie is with them. <laughs> and Debbie sees that they're good. And Debbie, I don't think, registers that it's a tranquilizer gun. Right, right. Uh, so she just... I, Debbie literally thought that they were just going to straight up kill Pete and so she hits the gun and it and so then Giles gets shot Tranked. oh my with god with the tranquilizer and goes down like a, a ton of British <laughs> bricks and um and I asked Jenny if this counted as a Giles knockout and she said no no because no head trauma no head trauma so we're not going to count it in our ding 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 how no. many times has Giles gotten knocked out so far <laughs> in the series but Giles goes down there's chaos uh, I think what Buffy hands Faith the gun yeah, I think so. And she's like, I'll chase Pete, and you you get Oz. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Faith and Willow go after Oz while Buffy pursues Pete. And Faith and Willow have a time of it. Uh, Faith ends up underneath the right. werewolf. Uh, Willow, quick-thinkingly, pulls his tail. Pulls his tail. And is like, great hey, you, or whatever, <laughs> and starts running away. And while the wolf is chasing her... Uh, Faith is able to take aim and, and trank Oz. Right. So Oz is Fast safe. Fast acting trank darts. Yeah, they do. They act immediately. But I believe it. I don't know if that's if that's true, but I believe it. Yeah. I bought into it. So, um, right. Willow pulls the tail. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. We go to Pete. And Pete is now, he's jumped through the window. Now, hold up for one second. Because <laughs> can we talk about the fact that Buffy is having a real hard time running in her shoes? I just feel like you see, like the scene cuts to Buffy running down the hall. And then we go to Faith and Willow running down the hall. 
Buffy is like clunk, 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 clickety clack, clunk, 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 like trying to catch Pete. And then Faith and Willow are like in reasonable sneakers and uh-huh. are running at full clip. And I just think like as the slayer, you might have a responsibility to either get better at running in heels mm. or maybe just to wear some sneakers. It's just my I suggestion. have long wondered at anybody wearing heels for any purpose, <laughs> but especially if your sacred duty is to protect your right. town from vampires. And like I've seen, it's not impossible to run in heels. You know who I bet you can run in heels like a badass? Cordelia. Oh, well, yes, but I was going to say Kate Less. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I bet would, you Kate Less could totally run in a pair of heels. Uh-huh. Um, but Buffy doesn't seem to have that gift. So just like know your strengths and weaknesses, Buff, right. is all I'm saying. Uh, but she does see that Pete has gone through the window because he's left like a bloody trail. And you know, it's interesting. He gets all the way through the window basically up to his waist without leaving any blood. But then he just sticks his arm in all willy nilly and <laughs> smears blood all <laughs> over the window frame right. before so- dropping down to the ground outside. I'm pretty sure that there is like a door right there. But instead of going through the door, he went on top of the lockers and out the window. I think the door to that room is on the outside of the school. Mm-hmm. But still, it's. Okay. It's still, he could have just... No, no, no. I mean, a door leading out from the corridor that he's running down oh, yeah. into the courtyard. Oh, maybe. He just took a long cut, he took is a l- what I'm yes. saying. He tried to throw her off the trail by smearing blood all over the wall <laughs> underneath the window, which he used. So Pete lands in the thing, and Debbie is there, and Debbie is like, I'm so glad they didn't hurt you. Did, did you, you see? see? Uh, did you see that I saved you? Right. Yeah. And, and this becomes, this ties back into some of what Giles was saying, where like, there's no reason, right? There's no reason at all that you can have or give to Pete to make him follow a train of law. Logic. He right. is on his own. He is on his own track. Void of humanity. V- totally right. He's just words. right. He's lost it, and so he um, doesn't hear this. And he says, uh, and also speaking of the patriarchy, he immediately says to Debbie, "You're all the same." You're all the same. So this is obviously um, an issue for Pete that has been longstanding. We don't know who else he's referring to, except, of course, for all women uh-huh. are the same. And uh, then, then, as though things weren't complicated enough, who bursts in the door? <sighs> One shirtless, shirtless angel. Recently reinsold vampire. And you're like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Because we don't know, as of this scene, if, if he is, you know, able to... Just if, he, if he's able to tell good from evil or if he's just a killer, right? Right, right. Um, and so we learn in this scene that he is able, apparently, to pick good from evil. He kills Pete and then he, like, falls to his... He says Buffy. He, he devamps. Re- he devamps. His little green eyes turn not green. Mm-hmm. And he falls to his knee. He says Buffy and then he falls to his knees and he, and he holds Buffy. This is complicated. Um, he just killed a person. He just killed a person. Who is monsterish? But he is a person. I mean, they go kind of out of their way to tell us that he is a person. Right. And even in the next scene, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. So, and you're, he's killing. He's he's definitely uh, killing a bad a person who's doing a bad thing to save a person who's not doing a bad thing. But this is really gray. You mentioned Jenny that like Batman is a villain who doesn't kill uh, hero. Batman I'm sorry. Hero? I'm so sorry. That's what I meant. How Batman dare you? Hero. The Batman rule uh, is, of course, that Batman doesn't kill bad guys. Batman apprehends bad guys and 
hog ties them mm-hmm. and uh, makes them available for uh, law enforcement individuals to process. Right. And, and you know, Angel was not a person, was not a vampire who was killing people when he was had a soul right. prior. Right. And, and this is set up, again, it's really confusing because, right, it's like he does go through this transformation, but it's certainly not at all unlike the transformation that Oz goes under when he turns into a werewolf. He's not taking anything and it's just him, but is it just evil? Like, it's just all very complicated. It's messy. It's because, very messy. And, and, and it's, maybe it's supposed to be messy. But it's a TV show, so they have to, like, put a bow on the end of it, you know? Right, like, but maybe the bow is not one, is not one episode long. You right, know what I mean? Right. Maybe this is going to open that's the door fair. to lead us down a path for the rest of the season or part of the season or whatever. Yeah, that is that is fair. But, it, but in this episode, Ugh. if you take this episode alone, it's complicated because Angel comes out the hero... And the redeemed, you know, monster. Right. But he did that by killing someone. Right. And also, uh, it, it, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of layers to it that I think are very complicated. And Ooh. also, just like from a legal standpoint, everybody's talking the next day about what that Pete killed Debbie, but who killed Pete? Right. Well, we know how the Sunnydale police go. Yeah, that's true. They're pretty sloppy. And they also know there's demons, so they right. just don't care. So, um, so right. So, uh, Pete dies, Debbie dies, and... We see that shot of Angel on his knees, and he and Buffy are, like, embracing and crying, and, and it Pete and out. Debbie are both dead on the floor. Right. It's very complicated. Huh. I will say that this moment for Buffy, or I should say for Sarah Michelle Gellar, is really powerful for me. The, the, the way that she responds to being held by Angel is has all the layers that we just talked about are yeah. in her face. Yeah. And it's really beautifully done. Like she's overwhelmed, but not just like, oh my God, thank God he's back. It's definitely, it doesn't read as that at all. It reads as like, oh, what, what the fuck? What the fuck is happening? And how do I unpack this? Yeah. And like, I'm overwhelmed because I love him, but I'm overwhelmed because so much just happened. So we're, we'll obviously, we'll continue to follow that with the series. Uh, but for now... We'll go on over to the next day. The scene I like to call the next day. <laughs> Great. Where they're all walking. Scoobies are walking. Just another day. We're just recapping. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about this last night because uh, the scene ended. So <laughs> let's just sort this all out together now. <laughs> so there's an estrogen theory going around school. Wow. Which is, I mean, normally we just do the jingle Shocking. once, Jenny. But I'm just going <laughs> to go out on a fucking limb here and say, let's play it one more time for the theory that Pete was violent because he took his mother's estrogen pills. The Patriarchy! <laughs> How dare they? I mean... Come on. But a great reflection of our actual society. Thank you very much. Uh, But then we learn, of course, that Pete was not taking the potion anymore. This was just, it became just Pete. And this is what we were just talking about with Angel and him being a human and this being really complicated. So to sum it all up, we'd like to use the words of Cordelia for this episode in saying, Right. Now I'm going to be stuck with serious thoughts all day. Me too, Cordelia. Yes, serious but very important thoughts and very timely for the month of October. Yes, indeed. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not making this podcast and watching Buffy with Kristen, I am a musician in general. That's what I do. I make (laughs) sounds that are melodic 
and occasionally have words. And you can learn more about me and hear some of my non-Buffy songs over at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. And you can always give me a holler on Twitter at JennyOwenYoungs. I am Kristen Russo, and when I'm not watching Buffy, I am watching more Buffy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, When I'm not watching (laughs) Buffy, I am helping LGBTQ human beings and their families and loved ones with my work over at everyoneisgay.com and mykidisgay.com. You can check out those websites. You can also learn about some of the other projects that I do on my website at kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And that is also my Twitter handle. Nicely spelled. Thank you so much, Jenny. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BufferingCast. Join us! And you can also email us anytime at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You can, and if you want to help this podcast grow to even greater heights, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It helps people find the podcast, and we love when people find the podcast. Or you can, and or, you can go on over to our Patreon page. Patreon is a place where you can support at a dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars a month. You get really cool things like the Buffy watch that we're all going to do before the live episode taping on the 14th. You also get things like chord sheets and the songs a week early, membership in the secret Facebook group. It's a cool place, I'm just saying. You can find that cool place over at bufferingthevampireslayer.com and you click on Patreon. And you know, we're not just on the internet, we're in real life. 3D! various ways. (laughs) In fact, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, on Friday the 13th, in October, I will be playing at the Troubadour in West Hollywood, opening up for my good friend and musical genius, Dan Wilson. Yes. Uh, So you can find out about that at JennyOwenYoungs.com. Just click on tour. And also, Kristen and I together on the very next night. Such a busy weekend. I know. We'll we'll be doing a live taping of this very podcast that you're listening to right now at Nerd Melt. And our guests, amazing guests, will be Ira Madison III, Kate Leth, and Christine Tuna. And you can get tickets to find out more at our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Click on events. Woohoo! I think... Busy Lady Plaza. I think we are mostly done. The only thing that we want to make sure to include are the resources that we told you we would provide at the end of the episode for survivors of domestic violence and all of us who really should be informed on these resources so that we know of them so that we can help others as needed. The resources we'd like to share with you are the National Coalition of Anti-Violence Programs, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, the Battered Women's Justice Project, and then an incredible resource list of local places that are LGBT-specific done by the NW Network. All four of those links are going to be in the show notes. Now, uh, just one more note. Those, as you may have noticed, are all specific to the United States, and we know that many of you are listening outside of the United States. So please use our email address, bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com, if you live in other countries and know of good resources, and we will add those to the show notes as we get them. Well, till next time. Uh, Wow. Tell it straight, tell it true Long gone love come back to you Will it only make you lonely? I've been down that very well Kiss the bottom, live to tell And it only left me lonely It isn't like I asked for this Bury me beneath 
Fears peer back at us from the depths of the web. We can. (coughs) Hey, holy. Hey, Linda Blair. Are you all right? No. Can we maybe do this a different tone? Hey there, I'm Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. On our podcast, Digital Folklore, we explore monsters, memes, and everything in between. Looking at our digital expressions through the lens of folklore, we break down the stories and communities we create online. And we try to make it a lot of fun. The show is presented in an audio drama style with a narrative and soundscape that's designed to draw you in. We weave insightful research and expert interviews with humor and storytelling. Come check it out. Search Digital Folklore wherever you get your podcasts.